0: Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
0: the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan, and this week's episode is coming to you from the Super Brain Shed at the end of my very sunny garden. It seems that summer has come very, very early this year, and let's hope it stays. So, this episode. Well, my guest this week was comedian, broadcaster, and meditation teacher Dermot Whelan. He talked me through a 16 second meditation and we chatted about mindfulness and living life on autopilot. So for this week's Super Brain episode, I've decided to delve a little deeper into mindful meditation and what the research says about it. Okay, so there's lots of different types of meditation mantra meditation, yoga meditation, transcendental meditation. I'm not sure how to pronounce this one, Kiyong meditation, Zen meditation, and so on. Um, For this episode, though, I'm purely going to focus on mindful meditation. If you listened to Monday's episode, you know that I'm not a fan of the concept of the mind. And I usually avoid using the word, preferring instead to talk about the brain and our thinking behaviours. However, given that this episode focuses on mindfulness, I have to bend my own rule. (laughs) It's hard to do an episode on mindfulness without using the word mind. Anyway, what is mindfulness? Mindfulness. So one way to describe it is as a process of attending with awareness to your present moment experience. In the neuroscience literature, I've seen mindfulness described as non-judgmental attention to present moment experiences, which of course can take lots of different forms, uh, ranging from uh, what you see at any moment, what you hear, touch, taste, your emotional reactions, the sensations in your body um, and, you know, your mental talk, what's going through your head at any moment in time. I guess mindfulness is the opposite of being absent-minded or of living life on autopilot. Put it simply, uh, mindfulness is focusing your attention on what you are doing while you're doing it rather than absentmindedly um, engaging in a task at hand uh, while you're on autopilot. You know, while you're thinking about something else, about your dinner, about yesterday, uh, about what you're going to wear on Saturday night, about your finances, anything really other than the task at hand. Our minds wander 47% of the time. There, I said it. The word. Um, I'm quoting research um, and that's how it's written in the research study, but I rephrase that and say that we only focus our attention on the task at hand 53% of the time. Now, that's not all bad. if, if you think back to last week's episode where I talked about habits and, and the fact that they are just automated behaviours that we, you know, don't have to engage cognitively or consciously with. It is important that we can carry out a good proportion of our daily activities on autopilot because, um, you know, the brain has limited resources and attention is a resource heavy activity. So there's good reason um, for this. You know, we do need to be able to put our cognitive resources to other uses. Um, planning, organizing things, forward thinking, etc. But for some of us, we rarely engage our attention at all um, on the task that we're doing. And I think it's this that uh, mindfulness meditation aims to address, you know, to get us actually engaging in the present um, for some of the time rather than being on autopilot most of the time. From a brain health perspective, if people are experiencing chronic stress, anxiety or depression, I in my talks and and in my books would urge people to spend more time focusing on what they're doing while they're doing it. Because um, number one, it keeps negative thoughts at bay. Um, It also prevents rumination about past events and worry about future events that may never happen. So it really can keep um, anxiety and depression at bay. Now, as with findings from any research, there are limitations and caveats um, that it's important to consider. So, for example, a publication bias exists um, across many areas of research, where studies um, that find significant effects are more likely to be published than studies that find no effect uh, or non-significant effects. Um, This bias is particularly strong in mindful meditation research. In addition, there's also uh, some issues that are specific to mindfulness meditation research. Um, Whilst Buddhist scholarship on the benefits of meditation extend back over, um, I don't know, 2000 years, secular scientific research into meditation is only about 30 years old. Um, And as with any relatively young area of research, there are issues uh, around study design and what you can confidently say about the data coming out of the research.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. As I said to Dermot
0: um, when we chatted in last Monday's episode, it's important not to read too much into a single study, uh, into the findings from a single study, especially if that study um, has not been replicated or has only a small number of people involved or the research is what we would call cross-sectional. Now, I'm sure some of you know what that is, but just um, uh, for those, the benefit of those who don't, for example, a cross-sectional studies would compare two groups at one point in time and look for differences. So in the context of um, mindfulness meditation research, you might have studies compare a group of non-meditators with a group of experienced meditators, maybe even Buddhist uh, monks who've been meditating for hundreds, if not thousands of hours. The study for example, finds differences in their brains, differences between the brains of non-meditators and meditators. Uh, And whilst it would be tempting to say that's as a consequence of their meditation, because of this particular study design, where it only measures at one point in time uh, and and just as a comparison uh, between two groups, uh, you can't attribute cause. You know, that is, you can't say for sure that meditation is the reason that their brains are different. For example, it could be that a pre-existing difference in their brains led the experienced meditators to take up meditation in the first place. In contrast, randomized control trials are uh, considered a gold standard if you want to measure the effectiveness of an intervention or a treatment. Um, Although no study on its own is likely to be able to show cause and effect or prove cause and effect, randomization reduces any biases and provides what we would consider a rigorous tool to examine uh, any cause-effect relationships between an intervention and an outcome. Now... Beginning in the early 2000s, there was a dramatic increase in randomised control trials that compare mindfulness um, interventions to uh, treatment as usual, uh, waitlist control groups or what we call active comparison interventions. So what exactly do these gold standard type of studies tell us? Well, several large randomized controlled trials provide compelling evidence that mindfulness interventions improve chronic pain management relative to uh, treatment as usual. Um, Some mindfulness interventions may actually be superior to some active treatments um, such as support groups, health education programs, but not superior to other treatments such as um, cognitive behavioral therapy. In conditions including fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome and psoriasis, where there's a relationship um, with stress, mindfulness interventions may actually reduce symptoms and improve quality of life for those affected. Um, When it comes to mental health, the evidence from randomised control trials is strong that some mindfulness interventions actually reduce the risk of depression relapse during follow-up periods and also some types of mindfulness interventions um, improve substance abuse outcomes. There's also several well-controlled studies showing that mindfulness interventions can reduce symptoms um, in anxiety, in depression and also in post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, Evidence is also emerging of context in which mindfulness interventions offer similar or additional long-term benefits compared to gold standard treatments um, such as antidepressant medication, relapse prevention. programmes and um, CBT. When it comes to brain function um, or cognitive function, evidence from randomized controlled trials indicates that mindfulness can improve working memory. So that would be something like where you've got to hold information in your head and manipulate it. So, for example, if you're in a queue in the supermarket and you've got nine items and you've got 20 euro in your pocket, uh, it's adding up the cost of those items, holding it in your head and then subtracting it from the money you have to figure out whether uh, you have enough money to pay for your items it's not always mathematical but essentially it's holding information while you um, you know work on it in some way in your head um, so there's evidence that mindfulness can improve uh, that capacity and also uh, can improve, improve the ability to sustain attention so there's lots of different types of attention and I intend to do um, one of these booster episodes around attention at some point in the future it's quite quite a fascinating subject and there's lots of different types of attention. Sustained attention is uh, the ability to um, remain focused, actually, you know, on a particular task. So you would need sustained attention to be reading a book or actually even to stay with me and listen uh, to me, pay attention to me throughout uh, and to the end of this podcast neuroscientific research into the brain mechanisms that underlie the behavioural effects that I've just outlined, Um, it's still in its infancy. So, uh, you know, we need more of those randomised controlled uh, studies to speak about findings with any particular um, confidence um, and to, you know, in order to link complex brain networks with the behavioural outcomes that we're talking about, like improvements in working memory or reductions in symptoms of anxiety, etc. So, nonetheless... Evidence is emerging that mindful meditation brings about changes in the structure and function of the brain through neuroplasticity in areas of the brain that regulate attention, emotional control and self-awareness. Um, now, that's something that I really want to delve into more deeply at some point in time. But I'm afraid today, that's all I have time for. But um, it is such a fascinating topic. I know for sure that I will revisit it again. My name is Sabina Brennan and you've been listening to Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Please do subscribe on Acast, Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow me on Instagram at SuperBrainPodcast Podcast or at Sabina Brennan um, and on Twitter at Sabina underscore Brennan. Um, thank you so much for listening. And if you have questions or there are any specific topics that you'd like me to cover, please email me at info at superbrain.ie I have lots of free resources on my website that give information about topics for example that I've just mentioned here neuroplasticity I do share those on Instagram as well but if you want to check out my website uh, you will find it at superbrain.ie till next time
1: stay safe